Welcome to the Trailer Island Podcast. It's another Wednesday and we compare films and their trailers. Did the film deliver what the trailer promised? I'm Alex and I'm joined by... Matthew. Steve. Steve. Man, that voice. Have you been doing lessons? That's golden. No, no, I've been smoking more. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Remember, kids, we... drink responsibly. Uh, <laughs> We can't. We don't. We don't promote any sort of no. smoking or anything. We've not been sponsored by any product. I think, no. every, I think everyone knows that I'm not a role model. <laughs> <laughs> You're as far from role models as they come, mm. Steve. Mm. But I think this week maybe some people look up to this character. Would we say that? Yeah, and I think that's that's cause for a lot of debate as to whether or not that's the correct. I thought you were thing. about to say concern. Are we concerned that people might well, look up to this character? Well, when, when you look at um, that anonymous that organisation that that latched onto the use of the mask, I. Mm. think... I think I'm concerned about that. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that bit. Yeah. But uh, that's a bit of a massive clue as to what we're doing this week. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Mm. That's right. Um, well, uh, I was going to say, is it Steve or Matt, which one of you has the mask at home? Is it, <laughs> has one of you got one of these masks? I have a mask at home. Okay. It's just not this particular. Not this, no. No. Okay. I have always wanted one, but at the same time, I feel like there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of context and baggage that comes with this costume now. I think it's seen not so much in the light as what it is in the movie, but also some other things, and that's a bit of a shame. I think a lot of other people might have ruined the joy that you would get from wearing this mask. That's correct. I wouldn't go to Comic Con or anything like that dressed as this character. <laughs> that could be that would be cause for concern. Yeah. Well, seeing as you're so excited about it, Matthew, would you like to introduce this week's film? Absolutely. We are talking about V for Vendetta. Do you know why you're here, Evie Hammond? You're being formally charged with treason, terrorism and sedition, the penalty for which is death by firing squad. You have one chance, and only one chance, to save your life. You must tell us the identity or whereabouts of codename V. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Yes. Are you ready to cooperate? No. Excuse me, miss. I'm sorry. Not yet, you're not. But you will be. The only verdict is vengeance. A vendetta. If our own government was responsible for the deaths of a hundred thousand people, would you really want to know? You're getting back at them for what they did to you. Fear became the ultimate tool of this government. I want everyone to remember why they need us. I wish I wasn't afraid all the time. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. This is exactly what he wants. Chaos. So that's the that's the trailer on the on the DC YouTube. Yeah, yes? that, yeah. Uh, I'm fairly sure that's the original trailer, and I think I don't think it is, Matt. You don't think so? That's using music from the Dark Knight. It is using music from the well from Batman Begins, actually. Oh, okay, no, that so, makes okay. So, but, little... but you are correcting. So that, that's that, weird. It is, and that's this is uh, this is going to make for some good discussion, I think, because I think all three of us more or less 
like this movie. Did I play the wrong trailer? No, 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 no right trailer. Better, yeah. That is a very odd trailer. Firstly, well, for a number of reasons that, that I think we should we should discuss. Firstly, its use of music. That is the Batman score from a yeah. very high-profile Batman yeah. film that came out the year before. That's Molossus. It is, yes, from Batman Begins by Hans Zimmer, which is a weird thing to do. Well, especially when that soundtrack is so well known, is to put it over a different movie that's not related in any way to Batman. This, you're giving me the stress. I'm going through the YouTube page right now. I'm thinking, did I get the wrong? But like, this is it's all it's all DC stuff on on this page. Like, yeah, surely not a fan page would go to this amount of effort to. No, no, that is the actual trailer. This is what happens when you don't have fan oversight. This is what happens when you don't have a rabble of people on the internet. To police these sort of things, you get this, this, this mid noughties mm. rubbish. This, this rabble, this, 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 this trollop, this, this anarchy. It's anarchy. Yeah. Exactly right. But I, I think, yeah, no, I think aesthetically that music is, especially because this, this film, um, which we should get into the premise of, but it makes such a huge use of the eighteen twelve overture. Which they would yeah. have known that I was going to be in the movie. In, I thought that was in the trailer. I've got a memory of it. Well, maybe I just remember it so significantly I from the film. I think you do, yeah. They use it about three or so times in the movie. So why not use it in the trailer? Like it's, it's such a signature for this film is that piece of music. If we have the wrong trailer, please, audience, send us through the right trailer. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm looking. I'm currently playing one on mute in the background here and it's the same... It's the same trailer. So, I mean, because that trailer had from the creators of The Matrix people and stuff. Yeah. So, I must say that that's a pretty messy... It's it's a product of its time, isn't it, mm. that trailer? That's, yeah. But this is the biggest issue, is that this this film, um, based on the, the comic by Alan Moore, mm-hmm. um, is, I think, by all accounts, not an action film. Just, <laughs> it, it's just off the bat, not an action movie. There There is action in it, but it's not really... Like a Michael Bay or superhero film, for for one of a mm. better phrase, it's definitely a drama. It's, it's definitely more of a thought provoking mm. drama, and that trailer just sells action, mm-hmm. and it's it's got flashing lights and explosions and everything. And I think that it's one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this film is because this movie, when it came out, received not mixed reviews, but I think people were unsure mm-hmm. of what it was, and I think it was marketed wrong. I think this movie was definitely put out. To, I mean, they've used the Batman music if that is the original trailer. I think it is. I think they're trying to appeal to, you know, like adolescent teens who enjoyed Batman and that's the audience well, they're going for. Well, I mean, think for. about how hot that was at the time in terms yeah. of hot property. No, that of was, course. It was huge. But, was that, when you're saying that was for Dark Knight or was that? Uh, Batman Begins. Batman, Batman yeah. Begins. Okay, yeah. so um, Heath Ledger hadn't appeared as the Joker yet. Not yet. No, no this was the Liam Neeson film. When Liam Neeson plays Raz Al Ghul, yeah, because this is that's DC, is that, that's right, yeah, and this is DC. Um, you mentioned Alan Moore, who's known for doing comics like Watchmen. Yep. Uh, what else is he? He's done? also known for hating any movie yeah. adaptation. Oh, really? Well, done. a lot of his stuff has been adapted. Then hasn't it? Like he did <laughs> Batman: The Killing Joke. Mm. You know, a bunch of Superman stuff. A lot of DC stuff. So. I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a crotchety old man. He, he reminds me a lot of Stephen King and how much he hated the film version of The Shining. I mean, just because it's mm. different doesn't mean it's necessarily worse. I mean, we all know The Shining, the movie, very different to the book, but it's a great film. It's just then, adaptation. Yeah. yeah. Well, his adaptations to screen, I think, have been done really well. Yeah. I think of The Watchmen mm. and I, I read that comic, that comic novel, 
after I saw the film and I was like, I'm, it feels like I'm watching the movie because mm. the adaptation was so straight on. I never read the comic for V for Vendetta. I've read but, a bit of it. But okay. I'm I'm obviously not a huge comic person, so I think I think that I, I have an edition um, back. Oh, it would have been a, not very long after this movie came out that came with an excerpt of the oh, okay. comic. Yeah, and I'm right. sure I've got that kicking around at home at somewhere. Um, okay. But I've never read the full thing. Now we're talking about it being a product of the mid noughties which makes uh, 2006, I believe. Yeah, it is. we think so. Yeah, I think that qualifies for uh, a casual mention from our our captain. Captain, could you just bring in the the tug with the um, with the film, please? Thank you, mate. It's a time tug. Yep. I, I, I don't remember September. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Captain. Um, I'm worried about him. Now, just in case you are wondering what that wall was all about, when we have a film that's a few years old and when it qualifies, we need the time tug. The time tug is a magical tugboat and it brings back films from the past. We tug. We tug. Um, We definitely tug. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, thank you, Captain. And there's, there's of course, a captain of the boat. He only says a couple of things every time he Yeah, I am worried about him. He's degrading, I think. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Can you degrade a lost soul any more than, than you can? Um, I, look, I think we're going to find out in about six months or so. <laughs> he's, a, he's a man of the sea, you know. He, 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 when he's on land, he just can't find his footing. Oh. Yeah, I'm just worried about when he turns into Davy Jones. You know, <laughs> oh, and he's going right, to get yeah. all tentacly. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, he does fear out of death. <laughs> uh, that um, leaves you only 99 more to go. Steve, you're not allowed to do voices on this podcast, remember? Oh, sorry, my yeah, bad. So uh, stop, you apologies. Know, we did that once because since then we've banned you from doing voices. So you never actually do voices on this podcast. So um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I keep on getting um, getting sued. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's like all those deep fake videos. Anyway, let's get back to the movie. Um, so so yeah, based based on the comic, it, it this is definitely a very. Um, it's dark. This is a dark story. Mm-hmm. And the movie d- does change a lot from what I understand happens in the original com- comic quite significantly. And it changes a few of the, the themes and central characters. But essentially, um, it, this movie set in 2020, by the way, which is mm. which I it, it feels weird now. Especially as... Anyway, it, there's some real-life parallels there that are a bit scary, um, especially with COVID. But um, basically, it's set in this kind of dystopian George Orwellian 1984 version of of the world where this political party called Norsefire in the UK have taken take been voted in and has basically just over time turned into a fascist dictatorship um and the world is really in disarray i think and and people there are curfews it's anything that comes to mind when it comes to sort of George Orwell's 94 with Big Brother and that kind of thing i feel like there's through lines very clearly from that book right through to to this film was was this comic written before George Orwell? I know. Uh, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, I think. When was nineteen eighty four written? I can't even think. Of it. Uh, it, it was nineteen forty seven. I think. Okay, so obviously yeah, this yeah. came before that. Yeah, that <laughs> influence came before the comic. <laughs> that that's right because it, it, it's got to take some very heavy. Yeah, well, notes from that novel. I mean, surely. even just having um, there's a bit where they're all sort of in. You, you saw the inner, inner workings of the of this this fascist government that's taken control over mm. over the UK, and you see you've got different departments for each kind of thing. You know, you've got departments for um i forget what they're called but like departments for for media and departments mm. for law enforcement that's very similar to the different departments that are present in 1984 you know they all have um departments of of information or you know all that kind of stuff yeah um 
so it's very and again everyone's being watched by cameras everyone's being monitored by with cctv on in your homes you're being spied on by at least two government agents at all times and you know god forbid you say anything against the high chancellor sutler Mm -hmm. because you will be black bagged by mr creedy the law enforcer and you'll never be seen again this is very much a, a a kind of well, yeah, it is. It's a very Nazi Germany kind of situation that they're in, and that's very much what the movie is trying to to replicate. Funnily enough, the comic was written as a re- as a response to Margaret Thatcher in the nineteen oh. eighties in the UK. This film they've had to update because obviously that was oh, probably twenty years prior to this film mm-hmm. being made. So this one they've taken more of a definitely leaning more into the terrorist vibe. Obviously, post nine yeah. eleven, what was happening in the, in America at the time. So it's definitely got more of a yeah sort of terrorist vibe. It's, they've added a few other layers to this. Now, our titular character V. Well, is he the main character? Oh, I guess you've got he's, Natalie he, he's, Yeah, he is the, the titular character. Yes, he's V. But, I mean, I feel like Natalie Portman, Natalie Portman is the main is, character. She wasn't, she wasn't, well, she was in the middle of Star Wars at that moment, wasn't she? She was, yeah. I think so. The director of this, James McTeague, was assistant director on Attack of the Clones, which is how he met her, and that's how he gave her the part in this. Right. Yeah. Okay. So she is, I guess, the main character. She's not the titular mm. character, but she's the main character. Yeah, definitely and her journey. And that, I remember seeing this for the first time and that how that marketing portrayed it about this guy in a mask. Yeah. Who is our favourite Australian actor. <laughs> um, yeah, Hugo Weaving. Hugo and he's, Weaving. he's really good in this. And and it's been apparently proven it's him behind the mask the yeah, entire time. Because um, I remember that being a big thing. Is it actually him? <clears throat> there is. There is one scene, and I, and this is a fact because they. I forget the the actor's name. They did actually have a different actor in in the role first, and shot the scene very at the beginning of the film actually, where where V encounters Evie in an alleyway. That is not Hugo Weaving for that one scene, okay. and then they recast him, realizing that. That I guess they just, you know, from the Matrix, how could you overlook Hugo Weaving? He's got such a presence. <laughs> and so they recast Hugo Weaving and everything apart from... He obviously redubbed the lines, obviously, but everything else is him apart from that one scene. That's okay. this, right. other, this other original actor they have. How, how are we brought into Natalie Portman's character? How is she involved in this? Well, she is just... I guess you could say she's just a, a very average Joe, just working for the BTN, the British Television Network, which is a pseudonym for the BBC, completely controlled by the government in this film. Mm. <clears throat> There's a great line in this film by the head of the media, which is, um, we, we just report the news, we don't fabricate it. That's the government's job, which I think is a great line. <laughs> um, she, so she works for, for the BTN. In a, she just gets people coffee. You know, She's not really got a proper job there. And she's on her way to have a romantic rendezvous with the head of this of a particular channel on the BTN, um, Gordon, played by the wonderful Stephen Fry. Mm-hmm. And she's apprehended by what are called fingermen, which are basically part of this law enforcement group. These these guys are. Ba- I don't want to use the phrase Gestapo. I don't want to keep going back to Nazi Germany, but it's so obvious in terms of the yeah. the the, the what, aesthetic of it all. The aesthetic. It's it's very kind of leaning into that kind of thing, and um, they basically try and you know, waylay her, which is when V, our vigilante, steps in and saves her. And pretty much from then on, she just can't get away from this guy, even just by bad luck. She becomes entwined in this guy's, I suppose, quest for what he would call justice. I don't think we've ever had uh, such a cohesive and, and thorough 
plot explained by Matt. I think no. you might like this film. I, I, should, was... I should point out, um, of all the films that I always profess to be my favourite film, this is like top five for me. Mm. I, I really okay. like it. You don't say. I, I really like this really? movie. <laughs> um, so, okay, so their, their paths are entwined. That's right, She yes. is this unfortunate soul that's been uh, struck by all things problematic from the government. That's correct. And yeah. this V character is just hanging around being a vigilante and stuff. Mm. How he, he he's quite proficient at martial arts and he, throwing he knives. His um his story is is terrifically well told in, in this film. I've, my understanding is in the comic he doesn't have a backstory. My I've not read the comic. No, I, I know. I don't know. Yeah, I keep looking at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Try and back me up. Is it because I, Steve looks like a guy you'd find in a comic well, story? Well, I know, I know he's he's read Watchmen, yeah. and I know you've read Watchmen as well. So I thought maybe. <laughs> but um, <laughs> in this film, they've given him backstory, and I just love the kind of just drip of information mm. you get as the film goes along, and you put together mm. the fact that he's been. Well, it's it's actually a very dark movie. I almost hesitate to say exactly what's been going on in his backstory because it is very dark. Um, you know, basically medical experiments hmm. the government I, have been doing on him and to, to make biological weapons. And he escapes and decides that what is ha- what the government is doing is wrong and takes matters into his own hands. He basically becomes Batman. That's essentially what it is. I mean, I always got the feeling that they sort of try and sow a little bit of, a bit of like misinformation into this film as well. Sure. In that there's probably like five minutes of that where you're sort of maybe guessing that Evie might be V as well. Yeah, yeah, that's no, true. Right. <laughs> and and, that, and then we bring it back to what we talk about, the trailer. Mm. The trailer gives this idea of this action-packed film and from what, you know, Matt has just explained and what we know about the film is that it just doesn't do that. It, it yeah. is quite a dark and heavy mm. film. Yeah. I would suggest there are probably, in, in the sense of calling something like a proper action scene, there are probably two. Mm-hmm. That's probably mm-hmm. it. The rest of it, like again, there are there are some kerfuffles and stuff, but nothing that would I would call <laughs> like a call a set piece or an action yeah. sequence, something like that. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned about him becoming Batman, but the the other side of that, he's a bit Jokerish as well, mm. he isn't is. he? Yes, and and that, I think you as an audience member, again, we, when we're presented with with the form of British government that we have in this movie, the film is pretty clear that these are bad people who are taking advantage of, of the populace and, mm-hmm. and there's no more democracy, basically. It's a dictatorship. But having said that, you're still always questioning, at least for the, a, a large portion of this movie, whether or not V is either the good guy trying to bring down the system from within or is he just actually a terrorist? There's a very deliberate line in this. Remembering this film came out a few years after 9-11, there's a line where he's explaining to Evie his big plan is to blow up the houses, the British Houses of Parliament as a big symbol that the government is a fraud. And there's this, and Evie turns to him and goes, do you, do you really think that blowing up that building will make a difference? And he goes, oh, with, the, with enough people behind it, blowing up a building can change the world, which is a very on-the-nose reference yeah, right. to 9-11. But that's also, that makes him the terrorist from yeah. 9-11. And you suddenly yeah. go, okay, well, I'm not on side with him. And then the film, you, there's a bit of a flip that keeps happening throughout yeah. the movie, which is kind of cool. I like that, the, the kind of ambiguity. That sort of uh, ambiguity is probably the best part of that first, maybe, uh, first half of that film. Yeah. Because that ambiguity sort of goes out the window when <laughs> when V and Evie sort of get together in a, in a more proper sense. Yeah, yeah. And you start exploring some of um, not only V's background, but of a couple of other characters' backgrounds as well. Yeah. 
Do we feel that she's psychologically forced into the situation? Does she start to, in some sort of reasonable way, go, oh, hang on, now we are being screwed over? The first time that she actually agrees to help him in any significant sense, which is getting him close to this bishop character, she's only doing that so that she can then try and escape. Because basically, she gets involved with V and he he realises, I can't let her out because she might tell the authorities where I'm hiding. So he keeps her captive for a while and she pretends to help him to try and escape. So I think he, that's halfway through the movie, and at that point she's still not working with him. Mm-hmm. And it's not until this huge kind of epiphany that she has towards the end of the movie because of... And if people haven't seen this film, I won't ruin what it is, but there's this really wonderful, probably 20-minute montage of her experiencing, shall we say, a backstory of a character. That's the best part of that, the film. And, and it's terrific. Yeah. It's, and that's what makes her a true believer is this this idea of no? What's happening to this this country is incorrect, and V mm-hmm. V's on the right side, kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's the film's surprisingly subtle for a guy that runs around in a mask. You know, it's quite good for that. <laughs> yeah. do, do we know why he wears that particular mask? <laughs> yes, it's a Guy Fawkes mask. It's a Guy Fawkes mask. Yes, yeah, so a Guy, guy Fawkes, Fawkes obviously famously tried to blow mm-hmm. up the Houses of Parliament um, on the fifth of November. And that, which is why in the UK there's a day called Fireworks Day, which is the fifth of November, where everyone lets off fireworks. Australia used to have that. Did they really? Yeah. Oh, okay. But I would have thought it would have just been in the UK. Well, think about when it is November. That's yeah. right around when it's nice and toasty. Yeah. In Australia, <laughs> and uh, stuff catches on fire. Stuff does catch on fire really yeah. easily. I have fond memories of as a kid being able to just go and buy fireworks and set them off. Mm. And you can't do that anymore. Oh. And it makes me sad. You can, however, blow up the Houses of Parliament if you don't get caught. Can I still buy sparklers? Yeah, yeah you can buy sparklers, I think. Okay. Did you used to ever make sparklers like where you peel them all apart and you stick them in an alfoil thing and you've got like a whole sack of them? A sparkler bomb. A sparkler a bomb. bomb. You're talking about bomb. You're talking about it. Yeah. Well, I tried to not use the word bomb. And then you device. stick the big sparkler through the thing and then you set it off and you... Re- oh, and it's a timed explosive. Oh, you've never done that? Uh, I've, then, been, I've been told about it. Then you stick the other sparkler through and it just goes... So that that's essentially what the film does is it presents you with well basically that's what Evie does is she she's you the audience member not quite sure what yeah. side to be on and I think the film which is probably about 2 hours 10 minutes something like that it's not an overly long film does a really nice job of of going through these nice waves of you feeling like he's the hero you need and then other things going like what are you doing like this is all going to end horribly for everyone this and this is a high production film too. it is like this is i i feel like in some aspects it has disappeared into obscurity more than other films of that mm. era and that's what annoys me we, i mentioned earlier about um anonymous that organization how they've mm. they've taken the guy fawkes mask specifically the one from this movie it's exactly the same and I think it, that mask is now more well known for that yeah. that internet presence by whoever they are, yeah. as as opposed to this movie, which I think is actually a real shame because this movie is um, much more effective at doing anything in terms of you know questioning governments than Anonymous have been. I would suggest. Mm. Um, I think one of the better parts of this film, and it, it it's an odd sort of character to really really be interested in it, but it's the the inspector character. Yes, which is Stephen Ray. Stephen Ray, I yeah. Think, yeah, he's great in this. Um, he doesn't do a lot of detecting de- detective work. It's <laughs> it's him in his in his office most of the time, sort of mulling over the the events of of e uh, of V and and just what he's doing. Yeah. Um, he does go out a little bit and sort of investigate some things, but you know. <laughs> 
for me, part of this film is is him trying to piece together what a bad government he is a part yeah. of. Uh, there's that wonderful moment where he's where the whole the whole like first half of the movie is going. No, V is the terrorist. You can mm-hmm. say well, he's got a few reservations with talking to um, Adam Sutler, the Chancellor. Um, but he's like he's just getting along with it. It's just his job. Yeah. And there's that great moment where he suddenly goes like, "Oh my god, what if the government are the bad guys?" Yeah. And it's just played so yeah. so beautifully, and it changes the movie. Yeah. It's also <clears throat> like pretty well cut around that that stage as well. And yeah. Sort of chopping and changing between three different plot points. Him trying to piece things together. Uh, another plot point where you know masks are being sent out to everyone. <laughs> and, oh, and the little, little girl. And the little girl oh, gets that, a mask yeah. and gets shot by a cop who then starts to question in his own role in his government as well. Mm. Um, some some brilliant cutting there. There'll be killings next. <laughs> there will be killings next. <laughs> this is a, don't make no mistake. This is a bloody movie. Yeah, there there is gore in this film, um, but I think it's done in a way that's not meant to be not in not in a Tarantino way, but also not in a Ridley Scott way. It's it's just done, I think, for realism. I don't. I disagree with that. I think a lot of that is sort of. You know, there is a scene toward the end of the film where V is really getting into his vendetta. Oh, yeah. Uh, and some of those those blood splatters are just a little too gratuitous for the movie. That there, there is some slow motion blood. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. Okay. I also don't think this is a good film where the CGI has aged well. Unfortunately not. And I'm very relieved that the, the sequence at the end is done as a miniature and not a CGI because that's therefore aged a yeah. little bit better. But some of the CG... Um, Look, this movie came out in 2006. It is actually quite an old film now, mm. but I hate to admit that. So Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005. Uh. It's okay. It was. Is this, <laughs> is this film sort of? Is, is it? A, is it a British film? It's a, a I think British slash German production. They shot a lot oh. of this in Germany. Okay, so I mean, That's is on the this nose as well, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, well versed in the, this. The, the the flashback to the to the rally where Chancellor Sutler's not been elected yet, but he's getting his supporters. They shot that in Berlin. Ooh. I can't imagine I mean, that. Were would they have... just trying to like annoy people? <laughs> it must have been. Must. I'm not surprised this film did ruffle some feathers when it came out. Is it? Is no. The reason I ask is that it's a British film. Is, I mean, the Brits do depression really well. <laughs> like, is it? Is it? A, is it a good British depressionism example of bleakness? I think. So. And again, coming back to that that thing that the comic was was originally written as a reaction to Thatcher and what she was doing in the 80s. I think it, it's just in its DNA, it's, it's got this British thing. And obviously 1984 set in the UK as well. That's yeah. also a British mm. book. Um, I think it's just part of its... Yeah, I, I, it's funny because I can't see anyone playing that Chancellor character other than John Hurt because he's so oh, good in that how role. Good is he yeah. in it? Yeah. Like he's scarily, scarily yeah. good. It, it genuinely makes you think for fear for yourself yeah that this is a reality that could happen and we've had a taste of that in the i mean not to the extent i'm not i'm not saying <laughs> not, not police state no i'm not saying we're living under a police state or the world is living under a police state that we know of mm. um but you know you we got put into lockdown we were yeah. put we were there were curfews there were curfews yeah. we were asked to wear masks not guy fawkes masks but you know we had to wear masks <laughs> And people in power are able to change our lives significantly. Mm. Uh, I I don't see a sense of anyone impending to you know go full houses of parliament on anyone. But no one no. convincing anyway. No, no. I, I have been listening to the eighteen twelve overture a lot recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your poor cat. Yes, mm. she's fine. She's uh she's on board. Well, <laughs> no one's seen Hugo weaving in a while as well. So you know. 
Well, he's probably still busy trying to make the Mortal Engines sequel happen, isn't he? Mm. <laughs> oh, aren't you so glad you asked? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, that was that was a low blow. Another another Wachowski link right there as well, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Well, they, they, they weren't involved in Mortal Engines. That was Peter Jackson. Oh, okay, right. Never mind. Yeah. Anyway, they didn't actually direct this film. They just wrote it. They just wrote it. Yeah, they, but you Did can they see produce it as well. They would have. I'm sure they produced. produced it. Is this the Wachowski well. twins? <clears throat> yes. Okay. Yeah, at the time, I think Wachowski Brothers at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that it's relevant, but if anyone's playing at home. Mm. Well, one of them's a girl now, so... I think, both I think, of them I think they both are. Are they both girls now? Yeah. So being a favourite film of mine, as we mentioned earlier, um, th- this film recently came out in, in 4K, and I obviously lapped that up. I did not did. hesitate to buy that. Um, so I own multiple copies. Anyway, that's beside the point. I recently had uh, a break from from work. I had about four weeks off. And within that four-week period, along with Lord of the Rings, I watched this movie three times. It's just great. But something... Uh, Steve, you're judging me. I, I really like this film. I, again, because it's got that... It's also got a kind of... This is a bit of a stretch, but to me it's similar to... Pink Floyd made a, an album called Animals in 1977, and that takes a lot of cues from 1984 as well, and also Animal Farm. So for me, in the aesthetic, there are all these different things that come through in these characteristics, even just in the way it looks and the way it feels. To me, is very similar. There's a through line between multiple things like 1984, Animal Farm, Animals, the album, and all these other different things that I, I just, it's so rich. It's such a rich canvas, this movie. I don't know if that was intentional. I think there's a shot of Battersea Power Station in this movie at some point. What I'm getting here is Matt's a big fan of fascism. <clears throat> no, I hate fascism. But I, but I appreciate this movie has faced the, the idea of fascism in a modern context as a cautionary tale, and, and same as 1984 does. And I think it's great. Are we, as an audience that have just gone through a pandemic that started in 2020, concerned about the similarities with the fact that there is a pandemic in this movie um, that is also set in 2020 that causes a lot of a lot of that leads to a lot of our freedoms being taken away within the movie did did we find that in a like a kind of simpsons predicting things huh. way oh. that this movie was somehow predicting something no i don't think like uh, i just got out of two weeks iso and i didn't get checked on by the police once so yeah. i don't think we're in uh in a, in in a risk of us becoming a police state. no and, and that's not what i'm suggesting i just thought find it strangely creepy how how much that that movie now lines up with mm. our current situation much like i i think that there's a rumor out there that the new bond film keeps getting delayed because the villain has created a virus and that's the main plot point in that movie which is why they keep waiting for covid to go so that they can release the film and not offend anyone who's been I, affected by covid i heard it keeps on getting delayed because of the cg masks on daniel craig and- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just I just find it funny that this movie is set in 2020 and and in a, again like in a weird kind of Simpsons way they kind of predicted things. I just think it's funny. Yeah. Moving well, on. <laughs> this has been the Matthew podcast. Oh God. And uh, yeah. Skyfall all well, over again. I, just, I, I don't <laughs> think I've been as bad as Skyfall. <laughs> uh, well, if we're going to give this thing out of five. Is it five, five knives? Five I think miles? it's got to be five eggies in the basket. The the egg and toast thing that both V and Stephen Fry's character makes. Five roses. Ooh, roses. It's a Scarlet Carson. Uh, five um, five uh, bald haircuts. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yep, 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 yep. Five black bags. We didn't mention Stephen Fry much in this yet. No, I tried, but... to, I tried to put him in there early just because he's so good in this film. Because mm. I, I don't... Look, I think to be fair... Oh, he... I set him off again, sorry. Tra- tra- <laughs> I put another coin in the machine. Just, it just goes around again. Uh, traditionally, I wouldn't suggest that Stephen Fry is a, is a dramatic actor. 
you know, he's a he's a comedian and he's a comedic actor. Fry and Laurie was terrific mm. back when he did that with um, Hugh Laurie. But he he nails the dramatic moments in this for me. I disagree. I, I, they, they don't. His work doesn't really land for me in this mm. this film. He's better in this than he is in The Hobbit. I think he's definitely overshadowed in this by people like John Hurt and oh, Natalie I mean, Portman and yeah. Hugo Weaving. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, of course. And I'm a lot of unknown British actors as well. Mm, there's that, I think his name, the, whoever plays Dominic, the um, inspector's sidekick, yeah, he, he ended up yeah. being in Sherlock as the inspector in Sherlock with uh, Martin Freeman right, and yeah, Rupert Graves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rupert Graves, and, and he's um, he's quite good in this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stop. Stop putting money in the machine. <laughs> so Matt gave it five. <laughs> well, okay. So what out of uh, roses? Is that what you want? Roses? I think roses. Okay. Yeah. So Matt, just five? It's five from me. Okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> Steve. Uh, th- this one is is probably um, uh, probably a, a four and a half. And I think that's because... <laughs> Because some of the acting doesn't doesn't land. Okay. Some of some of those big dramatic moments don't really land for mm-hmm. me. Stephen Fry is probably a case in point. There. You you. you oh. um, I also I also feel like Natalie Portman has a little bit of trouble with the British accent sometimes. No, she, she does. She does. Um. Uh. But that's probably the extent of the problems I do have. Um. I don't know how people sort of gave it a mixed review when it first came out because this is it's a very very good film. Again, I think the trailer was instrumental in that. People weren't sure what they were yep. going in for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so four and a half yeah. for you, Steve. I'm going to go four and a half as well. Now, this is a marquee film of the decade that I feel that was forgotten. Mm. That's true. By yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and half of that mark does come off me because I feel like that trailer does not represent this film well at all. It was trying, it didn't tell us, it tried to get us in on, on false pretenses. Yes, yes. Um, and in the last 15 years, I it hasn't felt like a film that I want to go back to. Mm. But I feel like if I were to go back to it now, I would appreciate it on a whole different level. So, you know, you could if you forget about the CGI and stuff, otherwise mm. it is aged, I would say, beautifully. The, well, the live action stuff looks, like, they're good sets. They, yeah. You know, built proper sets and everything. And the prophecy of it all that <laughs> it's managed to portray. Not that taking away from that, if that hadn't panned out that way, it's still a good film. It's oh, just, yeah. It's just an extra tick on the list that, oh, okay, well, that's become reality. It's a little bit scary that's happened. So, yeah, that's four and a half from me. Okay. That's still 14 and a half out oh, of 15, I, Matt. Did I say anything? I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. You said everything in your eyes. <laughs> Very funny. You just eyes. saw me dying inside. No, yeah. I think that those are all fair, fair scores. Yes, well. <laughs> the <laughs> distrust here is just... <laughs> We've been the Matthew Podcast and we review films that uh, Matthew likes. No, we have been the Trailer Island Podcast and we compare films and their trailers to the film deliver what the trailer promised. And this week, I don't think the, f- the film exceeded what the trailer no. promised. No. Or, or, no, or the, the, trailer, the trailer promised something that we didn't get, but we were mm. glad that we got what we got despite what yeah. the trailer promised us. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yes. That's the words. Do the words you do. Yeah. So we've been the Trail Island Podcast and we uh, review films and we're out every Wednesday and you can find us on every podcast channel that you could ever think of. Apple, Spotify, Google, all the fun stuff. You can send us an email as well. Contact at trailerisland.com or you visit the website. Visit the Facebook page. You can send us a message there as well. There's a Twitter. There's an Instagram. All that stuff. Yay. Oh, damn. Uh, Yeah. I, is that yes. about it? That was, that was, I, that was I, sick. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was lovely. Yeah. Nailed it. Definitely go and see this film if you haven't. If you haven't seen it. Yeah. What, what, do you have to be in a particular mood to watch it? 
Uh, yeah, look, it's not a cheery film. I, I think that's probably... Fair. It's not depressing either, but it's definitely broody. It's a broody film. A watch of an evening? Yeah. With a glass of wine? or yeah. red, red or yeah. white? What yeah. goes with I this? Actually, I think scotch. 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 <laughs> yeah. Like, just sip it. Don't, don't get drunk or anything, okay. but just sip a scotch. Yeah. All right. I've been Alex. I was joined by... 1984. George Orwell. Good night, everybody. <laughs> this is a Narrative Network podcast.